Welcome back to the Global Startup Movement. I'm your host, Andrew Berkowitz. A couple months back now, I was scrolling through a few articles on Forbes when I came across a headline about a young entrepreneur by the name of Mark Alain Busiku, who was looking to craft a new narrative in his home country of Haiti by co-founding the first innovation hub and co-working space in the country. Uh, this, the story of an innovation hub in Haiti is obviously perfect for this show, and so I spent a few days looking around, trying to get a warm intro, trying to get uh, connected to Mark through someone in my network, and eventually just decided to reach out cold, uh, and heard back from Mark a few days later, and turns out he's an incredibly nice guy, and uh, someone whose story is very much aligned with, with what I stand for, and really with what we're all about here on the Global Startup Movement. And this episode has really turned out to be one of my favorite that we've ever done uh, because I think it really shows that entrepreneurship truly is something that's becoming a global phenomenon and something that is able to change narratives of, of an entire country. Uh, and this episode inspired me enough to plan out a trip to Port-au-Prince next summer uh, for the next Haiti Tech Summit, which Mark is also a partner in. And I would encourage you all to definitely check it out at HaitiTechSummit.com. Uh, but be sure to come right back for my conversation with Mark, the CEO and founder of The Bunch. Entrepreneurship has become a global phenomenon. Uncover the stories of entrepreneurs and investors worldwide, from Sub-Saharan Africa to Silicon Valley and beyond, here on the Global Startup Movement. Now, here's your host, Andrew Berkowitz. So, Mark, it's great to have you on the show. I uh, really love to start this off with just a little bit about the the story of, of how the bond really came together and, and came to be. Thank you, Andrew. I'm really excited to have a conversation with you right now. Um, I'm happy Hades really back on the map and talking about innovation and entrepreneurship. Well, um, I'm the founder of Bunge, and the whole story behind our hub and how we started it's really about community. The whole idea of starting a, a hub in Port-au-Prince came out of um, me actually personally being involved in two different lives that I kind of brought together. In one life, I was a living economist working for the Inter American Development Bank with previous experience with the World Bank, literally really being in touch with decision makers and influencers of this country while working on reports that were literally portraying Haiti as, you know, as a poor country, explaining why growth wasn't happening in the last 30 years. And on the other life, I was a community leader, um, you know, um, student, student body in my school. Um, I created the first um, debate, econ debate club in my university. That grew and became uh, the biggest youth association in the country. And through that channel, more about leadership um, and engagement, I was really connected to tons and tons of young people that wanted to change Haiti but did not have the resources and understanding that entrepreneurship actually is one of the easiest ways or a hard way to go, but easiest way to make a change in the country. So at the verge of my 30th birthday, I decided to merge those two lives and kind of quit my job and created a community and a space where people can come together 
and start thinking about solutions, about solving problems, about creating businesses and having a conversation about how to build an ecosystem. I was really inspired by the theory as a nerd myself from Babson College about entrepreneurial ecosystem. And I realized that actually all my life through all the events, the sponsors, the students, the leaders, the entrepreneurs, and the decision makers I was meeting, I, I realized I, I I was part of the ecosystem and I could actually boost it from inside. So created Baj, first a community, and then we started running entrepreneurship programs. I also started a, an investment fund, a VC here with you know with four GPs um, that I met in DC, then moved back to Haiti, all Haitians. Um, we started to try to invest in a company here. And then that's when we realized all the problems that entrepreneurs are facing in the country. And we kind of like decided to, you know, step back and kind of focus on that tool that could not just bring entrepreneurs together, but give them access to resources that are in country and out of country. I also took part of the Haiti Tech Summit where I connected with Facebook and Google and they decided to join me on the journey, becoming partners of Bunge in Haiti. So we connected with Google and Facebook. So we're opening doors to global markets to these entrepreneurs. So all these things coming together under this great name called Bunge, which is kind of a Creole word. That means genius, smart in Creole. So people locally connected with that. And from there, we really started building parts after parts, the brand first. Then we moved to the co-working space just three months ago. And now we're putting focus on like having a full-time incubator where entrepreneurs could dive in for six months and get their companies off the ground. Wow. So I think there's a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of knowledge there, a lot of really interesting tidbits of information. I think what you said about entrepreneurship being not necessarily the, the easiest way, but really the, the best and most impactful way to create change. I think that's something that I'm seeing playing out all over the world where public policy, economic development organizations are starting to see that well, you know, with our budgets, we should be thinking more of how can we get an ROI on these projects that we're investing in, as opposed to just, you know, making a a public show of it. One thing I'd be curious to hear, you know, entrepreneurship kind of has a a different connotation in in different markets around the world. What does entrepreneurship really mean to to the ordinary person on the ground in Haiti? It's a good question, because... um... Many times um, we go to events where Haiti showcased and people say Haitians are entrepreneurs, Haitians are entrepreneurs, like Haitians are entrepreneurs. And you're asking yourself, well, if Haitians are entrepreneurs, why don't we, you know, the hub of the Caribbean or, you know, creating the biggest startups and, you know, the most, like the fastest growing companies if Haitians are entrepreneurs. Um, so that makes me think that the definition of entrepreneurship in Haiti is more connected to the definition of bootstrapping. Um, so once, you know, public policy hasn't been really effective in providing basic resources to the population here. So every Haitian somehow, some way is kind of grinding their lives up, whether they are, you know, trying to find solution in difficult situations. And they call them entrepreneurs, because when you go to the streets of Haiti, a lot of people, when they visit Haiti and the first shock that they have is actually why are the streets so crowded with people trying to do smart business, small businesses? So you go to the streets, you see, you know, people selling stuff, you see people 
um, you know, ready to kind of like ask you to help to to give your solution to something, whether it's like to help you get somewhere or try to sell you food or imported products. And that's entrepreneurship. That's people out there trying to, you know, make a living. And also, um, entrepreneurship kind of comes also with the definition of creativity. So we're a country with a amazing history and amazing art so everywhere you go you see art you see you know handcrafts you, you see a lot of like beautiful little things you can bring back to your country and that's creativity and people also tend to say Haitians are entrepreneurs because wow if they can create these things they can create solutions they can create other stuff so what's lacking is really creating structures like in your incubators or or universities that can turn all that creativity and all that bootstrapping kind of the life or grinding, putting those two things together into more, not just art, but solving local issues. And that way you can find entrepreneurs that can create apps or solutions or businesses that can address creatively issues that they have in Haiti while they're keeping the focus on grinding and making the best out of life. So just to make it clear, entrepreneurship in Haiti is more about grinding up and being creative. That's awesome. I love that. And and you mentioned that this all really started with with a venture capital fund where once you made your first investment, you realized there are just a lot of missing pieces in the the startup ecosystem in Haiti. I guess what what specifically what what were the missing pieces that you you set out to to fill with with the bunch? <laughs> really good question. I think it brings back a lot of memories. Um, so when my co-founder um, called Latour um, reached out to me, I was actually still a student in D.C. doing my master's with Fulbright, an American, studying financial economic policy. So we were like all excited about, you know, as an economist, um, the way the economy is financed decides how growth is going to go, right? And when we look at the Haitian ecosystem, we see there's mostly banks. There's no financial market, a lot of hidden angel investors, but you don't know who they are, how to get access to them. And huge gap between banks and microfinance. Like, you know, we, we're past the era of microfinance where everybody was just getting small loans to start um, little businesses. We're not going to discuss microfinance here, but we saw an opportunity within that middle, you know, that middle um, category, you know, young entrepreneurs creating startups who are getting no access to finance. So we thought the solution is a finance issue at that time, right? So we decided to create each fund that's going to leverage, you know, um, thirty to a hundred thousand um, dollar equity buying into startups in Haiti, and that way we can create access to finance for that middle missing middle with huge potential of growing those companies, right? Um, so we started the fund um, and did one investment that we thought our job was going to literally just be putting the money they need and help them grow, you know, because, you know, there are savvy entrepreneurs like, you know, the Silicon Valley style and they're going to make it. Then we realized that, hey, first thing we had to do is to kind of redo their business model with them. So we literally invested in sweat equity in helping them setting up their business. Oh, they need to do rebranding. They need um, to be able to keep track of their goals and literally be able to understand the in and out of their businesses. They need network. 
they need to meet people they probably don't have access to. So it kind of became um, a shock for us because we weren't really willing to do all that work. We really thought we were going to just give them money and they will be able to grow. And one of the things we remember we asked our companies, we're very connected people in the country. You know, me and my co-founders, you know, they have very strong profiles and we're very good young professionals. Um, and we asked them, you know, we can give you access to resources, like non-financial resources. Literally just ask us what you want. And we weren't getting a lot of requests. So the whole idea of kind of like giving access to an entrepreneur with no structure, just like let them grow through our network, didn't work. So literally it wasn't just the main reason why we started Bunch, but it was kind of like the, you know, the reality check that, oh my God, we need to do more um, if we really want to be able to grow companies that are going to come out of Haiti and be global. So that's when the whole idea of Buzz became clearer in my head and decided to go full-time into that as H-Fund stays there as an opportunity to fund startups that are going to come out of the house. And I mean, walk us through kind of the, the process of uh, how you initially put the pieces together. Because I know, I know for, for really anything, closing your first sponsors or getting those first uh, checks in the door is tough. And so can you talk me a little bit about kind of the, the vision you were painting to, to Facebook and Google um, and, and how you went about telling the story to get those checks? <laughs> yes, raising capital is always hard. That's clear for everyone. Um, so um, literally, it, it, it's a process. Um, so when, we, when I first, like the idea of Bunge was in my head, like ever since I came back to Haiti after my, uh, my master's. Always wanted to do it. Um, literally, really realized the connection between the two lives earlier. But it's just like I did not have money, <laughs> so I couldn't just go and do it. And I know my biggest investment would have to be in getting a space for all these people to come together. Um, so the first thing I tried to do is to partner with an existing space that wasn't doing entrepreneurship things, but just literally renting out space. And they had a big empty hall where we could do events. So literally, we built our brand through events. So we started doing events and building our brand. So the first thing I did was kind of like a marketing shop. I decided to only wear a t-shirt with the logo of Bunch everywhere, including work meetings, <laughs> everywhere I was going. So everybody was asking, what was Bunch? What was Bunch? It was an opportunity for me to explain the vision. And out of the events we're doing and literally promising people that we can do bigger than what we're doing if we could get more resources. So that's the same story that I told everybody, whether it's Google, Facebook, or the, the second biggest bank of the country who ended up investing in our hub. So the idea of we're bringing people together, and you know my history, like I told you since college, I was bringing people together all the time. So it kind of sold the brand that if you can invest a little bit into that, you can help build a platform that's going to literally help grow the next generation of entrepreneurs that are going to disrupt the way we eat, the way we move around, the way we, we send money abroad, the way we pay stuff. And that dream is actually a scary thing because it has a deadline. At some point, you need to deliver on your promise, right? But beforehand, 
people did not have to put much. Facebook only had to put their brand and a budget to run a club. Google only accepted to put their brand here and run programs. Everyone kind of, what we did, we broke down all the investment needs we had. Instead of looking for one big investor or go get a huge loan at a bank, we literally broke down everything that we needed. Space, electronics, technology, branding, community, events, food, printing, everything. We broke it down in terms of things we need. And instead of going after an investor that would put all the money, we connected with existing sponsors we had that was actually financing other events. And here, marketing budgets um, are being kind of wasted, I would say, because they go to, you know, you know, carnival, cultural events, not into innovation. So wasted in a sense of being used for innovation and entrepreneurship, right? Because they have their own goals going after cultural events because that's where the market is actually used. That's where they're getting the consumers. So I had to literally convince 19 different companies into putting some of their marketing budget in a project that's going to help them in the future breathing entrepreneurs. I don't think all of them understood, but they believed in the vision of creating a new generation of startups. And if they can put some of the budget that they have this year, it's not going to hurt them, but they will contribute to something bigger. Um, our biggest partner was that bank that reached out to me and say, oh, you're doing a lot of cool stuff with entrepreneurs here. How can we help? Then exposed the vision. I remember that day I went to a board meeting with 15, like everybody, all the members of the bank were on that board meeting because they were giving me access to one of their buildings that was actually being empty for almost two years. So proposing them to use that building to bring entrepreneurs together in it, I had to pitch that to 15, you know, rich Haitian old people. I was actually really scared, but couldn't show it. And when we pitched them the vision, they believed, not only they believed they could do, it's possible because of who I am, because of my brand, because of my experience, but it also wasn't something that's going to kind of be a burden because it's literally just a building they have and some marketing budget they had to rebuild it. So since we built that space, things took off. Like we run like 17 different events a month. We run programs to support entrepreneurs with Google. We run programs to develop a community of developers with Facebook here. And every day we're adding new events, new programs that supporting entrepreneurs till we get to the point where we really want to be able to focus full time on incubation, which is now our next step project for the hub. And that's going to be the most impactful thing because it's going to help us literally grow startups and vetting them and pitching them and getting investment for them starting the end of this year. And I think that's an interesting insight that you, what you what it seems like you did was you went out and you you approached Google and Facebook and not necessarily saying hey I want a hundred thousand dollars it was more get them involved get the social proof that the brand gives you and then leverage that to get local partners and and, and other people involved as well and so I, I think that's a really interesting how you approach that but now now that you've kind of been in it for some time now. Uh, and you've you've had some time to help build up the community. What would you say are uh, the pieces that you feel like you've you've filled in now and, and are present there? And and what's still missing? What are still the some of the biggest weaknesses in terms of a a thriving Haitian startup community? I think the ecosystem needs a lot of work that still needs to be done, specifically in terms of public policy. So everything we're doing right now 
it's going to be useless if the government doesn't get its buy-in and say, let's make life of entrepreneurs easier. Um, right now, if you look at the Doing Business Index of Haiti, it takes 90 days to open a business here. Well, it's like it's something that could take some just a few hours in the U.S. Um, how can we make life of entrepreneurs easier? How can we help them with being aligned with the tax system? Most of the economy here is actually informal. So a lot of people just start trying things out there. The first reaction of entrepreneurs is not to go and get registered with government because there's no incentive. It's not giving them anything. It's literally just putting them in a situation where they have to pay tax in a startup that they don't even know where they're going to get money from yet. So I think the government's involvement is critical in terms of making life of entrepreneurs easier, but also in terms of building infrastructure, you know, roads, creating a country where entrepreneurs can move around, can sell stuff, can pay with no constraints, because right now we still don't have PayPal in Haiti. We still don't have a good financial inclusion system. So these are also opportunities for entrepreneurs to come and propose ideas. But I think the government has a role to play in setting everybody's life easier. And another part of the ecosystem that needs to be developed is the the connection with the universities, you know? Um, how do we get more creativity out of universities? How can we get more technical people creating, you know, med- medical um, solutions, creating fintech supports? Um, how can we get universities more focused on entrepreneurship? I think that's a very important part that still needs to be developed and not a lot of people are touching right now. And of course, the last part that's very important is um, how do we create more investment opportunities for startups, the VCs, angel investors, how do we get them organized? I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done. What we're doing here is literally just a start of bringing the conversation, of getting people around, getting committed. I feel I'm very lucky because of the strategy we we use to leverage partners to start Bunch. Literally not just gave us access to their marketing budget, but it also gave us access to their entire staff where we can, we now source our mentors, our coach out of these companies so they can, you know, we have two big telecoms, Access Haiti and Digicel, the two biggest ones in the country who provide us with internet, but at the same time bring us their marketing managers, um, you know, their staff. So whenever we need to support entrepreneurs here, I think we also need to formalize more how we organize mentors. This is something Bunch is literally doing right now, like, lining up entrepreneurs with access to mentors and coach that can help them drive through their startups journey. So literally government, universities, access to VC, angel investors, and also the support, full support and organized support of the private sector to the ecosystem is important. If you look at Africa right now, Tony Elumelu, Jack Ma, they're all investing money in entrepreneurs. So they see the future with entrepreneurs. So that conscience needs to happen here where government, private sector, universities can come together and realize that, wow, we can help, you know, leverage that sector. And incubators like Bosch is literally, you know, businesses for the future. So Mark, I know this, you know this. We always finish off with a quick fire round. Four questions up to 60 seconds each. Are you ready? Let's go, my friend. Tell me your favorite business book and why. 
the very first business book I read was, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Kiyosaki. I've read a lot of other books afterwards that taught me a lot of great things. I think this one literally, you know, walks you through, you know, the differences in, 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 a, in a community, in a country where, you know, rich people are set, are set up to win and poor people are set up to fail and just interacting those two um, components, just two, two elements of the country can help people grow their mind and can help communities um, grow. I actually have an entire theory about how, you know, rich people and middle class here can come together and leverage the Haiti of the future. But I think all that is inspired from that book that I read long, long time ago and really tells you about how to build a community with people who are thinking about how to be creative and create wealth. So let's say I'm, I'm visiting Haiti. Uh, I only have a, a couple days on, on the island. Give me the idea of uh, maybe one or two things that you think are, are must-dos while, while I'm in town. I think you should definitely go to the museum and discover the history of this country. That's very important about how we came out from slavery to building a nation to who we are today. And you will realize that Haiti is a much deeper conversation than just poverty today. I would definitely go to the beach. Can't miss that. Even the Caribbean, my friend, we have some of the most beautiful beaches um, of the of, of 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 the Caribbean. So I would definitely do a step there, and I would definitely as well check out the food. We have um, an art. Like eat here and go discover some art. We are very creative here. What verticals in in the local startup ecosystem excites you the most right now? It's oh, a tough question. <laughs> I'm excited about there's so much work that needs to be done. There's so much that needs to be done. But I think the most exciting part will always be connecting with people, connecting with entrepreneurs, with ideas that they're just looking for ways to make happen. I think that creates what I call positive frustration to me, where I say, oh my gosh, this is all these things that can be done. But where am I going to get the resources for all of them? So as I build the ecosystem, it's always based on that conversation. How do we help startups thrive? But it always starts with connecting with them. And finally, what is your favorite thing about living in Port-au-Prince? Oh, wow. <laughs> um, my favorite thing, I think my favorite thing is about Haiti in terms of being able to have two lives in terms of Port-au-Prince is actually very busy and, you know, sometimes messy. Port-au-Prince is not the most beautiful part of Haiti. The most beautiful part of Haiti is when we actually leave Port-au-Prince and go outside and you meet people that are not as savvy about being, about surviving. You meet people in their natural inhabitants, by the beach, in communities. Like my favorite part of the country is actually an island down the south, south called Ilavash. When I go there, there's no car on this island. No car. Like pure air. People are wonderful. The beaches are the, actually the best beach of the country is over there. And you just live in villages and meet people. That's my favorite part of being in Haiti. Like, you know, you hustle in Port-au-Prince, look for the innovation, entrepreneurship life. But then you take a break and then you go to Ilavash and it's just a different thing. That's my favorite part of the country, and that's the favorite thing I like about being in Haiti. 
Awesome, Mark. Well, uh, hope to visit Haiti soon. Hope I can come to the Banj uh, at, at some point in the next few years. And I really appreciate your time for coming on the show. Man, I can't wait for you to be in Haiti. The whole, the coolest thing about like the coolest thing about giving interviews and going around and talking to people is to actually have an experience with them. It starts with a podcast, then we become friends, and you come here and we go hang out. You visit Haiti. I'm down for that, man. Just let me know when. And anyone who's listening to the podcast, come down a bunch. Let's have a conversation and let's tour around. Thanks for listening. Be sure to add Andrew on Snapchat at andberk. That's A-N-D-B-E-R-K. To see firsthand a day in the life of an entrepreneur in cities all around the world. 